Hello, sweeties, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble, Who's Who edition. That's right, Laura and Eric are back to talk more about Doctor Who and share our favorites and least favorites of the Doctor's companions. Spoilers, it's Rose. Hey, Laura. Hey, Eric. Hey. Welcome hey. back. Good. So we will be spoiling the shit of all of, out of the companions of New Who. So from Rose to Ryan, Yaz, and Graham as best as we can. I'm not as familiar with the 13th uh, her, se- her season. So I'm getting there. I'm working my way there. So, mm-hmm. But we'll just start it right off. All right. Let's see who wants to go first. Favorite, least favorite. Favorite are the pawns for me. I love the pawns. And why? Um, they're adorable and hilarious, and they have the most peer-to-peer relationship with the doctor. Um, also, they're River's parents, so you can't go wrong there. Um, yeah, if your listeners haven't figured out by now, I love River. <laughs> <laughs> uh, least favorite, as you said, is Rose all the way. <laughs> Oh, geez, just whiny, braggy, conceited, awful. Um, but she gets all these special things that happen, like Bad Wolf or, you know, the weird weapon during uh, the Day of the Doctor decided to personify her instead of one of the cooler people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and she gets her own doctor. Yeah. Mm. She gets a carbon copy of the doctor that's so perfectly human, but so much the doctor. Ugh, vomit, gag me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Very good. Eric. Well, I think I have to agree with Laura. Um, there was a t- point in time where my favorite companion was actually Martha. Because I felt like Martha was a very underrated companion, and I still do. Um, and I'll talk about, I'll probably touch up on that a little more later. But my opinion on that has changed. Um, I still love Martha's story. I love her character. But in the end, I will have to say Amy and Rory. Kind of same points that Laura pointed out, you know. We felt like we got to know these two a lot more personally than we got to know any of the other companions. We traveled with them the longest. And their relationship with the Doctor was different than any other companions that that, that have really come before them or even after them for that matter the closest relationship to the doctor that i can probably even compare their relationship with the doctor would be donna and that's just on a whole different level but again these are just friends of the doctor um so we really got yeah you're right the in-laws the in-laws the in-laws you're right you're right you're right um (laughs) and we got i think we talked about it on the last show we we got some of the best story lo- stories told in the modern Who era, era with the Pawns. So that's why I really love them, just because of the way that they were portrayed to us and how they were, how we got to know them. Least favorite, you know what? I, I really wanted, did not want to say Rose. I wanted to be the odd one out. <laughs> but looking at them, I can't, I have to watch Bill's, season again to get a good feel for bill all right i've only watched bill's uh uh, time as the companion once i can't really judge her yet same thing with yaz graham and uh brian you know i have to 
keep watching them to get really get a good feel for them. But so if I'm going to choose, I'm going to go with the original of the modern day companions and that's Rose, you know, it's just, I, I just feel like going back and watching her stuff again. Yeah. There's some good stories in there, but I see a lot of, I don't know. I see a lot of like helplessness there. You know, Rose was strong, but she leaned on the doctor so much, which many companions have, but I, well, I felt like she did it overwhelmingly. You know, I, I love independence in our companions and going back and watching her season for like maybe like fourth or fifth time at this point, she becomes more of a bland character to me in comparison to all the other companions that come after her which sucks because we got actually we did get some good stories with her we got introductions to other good characters in doctor who through rose but rose wasn't the one who carried that any of that it was david Tennant. david was carrying rose almost this entire time and as we learn in seasons coming after her the companions more carry the doctor especially once we get to amy and rory um but yeah i would say that's my my favorite and my least favorite. What about yeah, you? I, I like that point that you brought up, though, about uh, David Tennant's character like carrying Rose to a bit. It's like when he regenerated from Eccleston to Tennant, he did it to match her. Like her vapidness, her vanity came across in David Tennant's doctor, um, which was, you know, nauseating. <laughs> Absolutely. That was... So I, I would have to agree. The pawns are my favorite. I, I love, it's a, it's a close between the pawns and Donna because mm -hmm. I love, I love Donna. I love the Dr. Donna. I love everything that she brought to the show and to, to the doctor and how she helped him and how she was more of that base, that rock of just a friend that kept yeah. him kind of grounded in everything. And right. even having going through and getting caught up with the Capaldi seasons, uh, there's that episode with um, the 12th Doctor, Clara, and Maisie Williams as like the Viking girl of Shieldham. And this is like the second time. This is when he finally realizes why that face, why the fires of Pompeii face. And it's all has to do with Donna. Save mm -hmm. one person. Save someone as that kind of reminder which i think is sure. was brilliantly done and i one of my favorite parts of capaldi season seasons um was how they incorporated that and again donna being my favorite i just loved it loved it loved it loved it yeah the sure pawns, i love their storyline um the individual storylines of amy rory uh the centurion and and then river and how that's all incorporated and how that all becomes entangled with the doctor on that personal level of marrying river and now the pawns are his in-laws and the fact that you know even rory accepts that he's a pond <laughs> he's, yeah. not, he's not they're not mr and mrs williams they're the yeah. pawns and even in the episode where we meet brian rory's dad uh, the doctor keeps calling him Brian Pond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. I so, love Rory's dad. Oh, I love Rory. And Rory, and out of the ponds, as much as I love Amy, Rory, I love Rory. Like, 
the female, you know, the, the personified TARDIS was not wrong when she said the cute one and went into projected into Rory's mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, oh. You know, I got, I got to agree with you full heartedly there. I mean, yeah. I mean, traditionally we're looking at female companions for the doctors. Okay. I mean, yes, there, there was Mickey, there was Jack, you know, they were, they were there, but they weren't companions oh. per se. Rory helped break that mold. Granted, Clara came afterwards, but it proved that a male companion could work. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about it is the show writers were able to bring him in without making him, without creating any tension between him and the doctor, really. Rory, although Rory wasn't a time traveler per se, well, I mean, technically, you know, he's a Lassenterian, so he lived for for over 2,000 years, but it's proven that even with his wife in the middle, in between him and the doctor, and you know that Amy loves, you know, the doctor with all her heart and she'll do anything to protect him, Rory's never threatened by it. He knows his wife loves him and well, he loves there's her. There's a couple of times this where he, yeah. Well, he was a little insecure about it. Like when she was first taken, and uh, like with the had like the silence and Mark Shepard mm -hmm. and they had the little recorders and she still got taken by the silence but the recorder was left behind and so Rory had it and he was listening and it's very it, it really it initially kind of makes you wonder like oh who is she actually talking about and oh you're talking about when he when, when she says your stupid face or something like that on the recorder oh okay yeah and, and yeah, then I, I remember that okay and then you know she just kind of tosses that expression out there of you know like you fell from the sky into my world or something like that so then rory thinks that she's now talking about the doctor right. so right and even there's that episode amy's choice granted that's not so much a doctor rory uh, specifically, but it's kind of the two worlds that they kind of represent, and which one does she choose? I like that though, because uh, you see it a lot in, in in like TV shows. It's kind of that trope, you know, where they're trying to create romantic tension and love triangles and everything. But then, in terms of like real world relationships, people do often confuse a strong platonic friendship with like infatuation feelings, you know? And so she she had that moment of infatuation and Rory has that those moments of insecurity because uh, objectively speaking, Amy is a beautiful, strong-willed woman and the doctor is, you know, a one-of-a-kind person. Like how can he compete, right? And I think sure. they handled that really well in terms of allowing them those moments of of human insecurities and confusion, but finding their way through it. I mean, like Amy and Rory get divorced at one point and still find their way back together. Like that is the most messed up companion relationship you could possibly have, right? That's true, that's true. And, and I also well, liked when, when we first meet Rory and they go, you know, the vampires of Venice or whatever, and yeah. he, he calls the doctor out and he's like, you put people in these positions to want to impress you and therefore putting them in danger because now he's got to go try and find and rescue Amy. And he's absolutely right. And yeah. so in a way, he, as much as he gets caught up in the whirlwind of traveling with the doctor as much as like Amy does, he has those moments where he calls him out on, 
on shit and which I, which is good. And that's the doctor always sure. needs someone there to call him out on his, on his shit. Okay. Um, least favorite Rose, all the mm-hmm. reasons I, I don't know that. And I don't think Rose would have ever annoyed me as much if it wasn't for her reaction from when the doctor regenerated from nine into 10. Cause it's like, she liked nine, you know, and she had fun and, you know, they got along, blah, blah, blah. But the second that he turned into the sexy doctor, she started getting googly eyes and just kind of like that stammery, like fangirling, uh-huh. crushing hard. Just like, yeah, you're, you know, it's just kind of brown on, on t- <laughs> right. Oh God, you're so shallow. And so Laura, when you make up, bring up the point that he regenerated into something for her, that makes all the sense and makes me hate her more. I know, doesn't it? Like, she already had him wrapped around her finger, and she it took them how many seasons to, like, have that culminate into something? And then that, that whole thing, too, the goodbye for Rose, and he blows up a, a star just to say goodbye to her. Mm-hmm. Like, that is so not the doctor. Why would you do that? You're, like, putting an entire star system at risk here. Like, it could have developed life if it didn't have life developed already somewhere near that star. Mm-hmm. But, it but no, he had to burn it up for Rose. <laughs> like, that was the most vain, selfish thing I think the doctor has ever done. Well, keep in mind, the do- David Tennant's doctor was a very vain doctor. It's and not the first time we've ever seen him act in that measure, even without Rose, you know? Keep in mind, I think we were talking about the other uh, last time, well, you know, the way he acted during on the Waters of Mars episode, you know, or when he regenerated, technically regenerated back into himself, you know, off the off of the hand, you know, there's, he was a very, yes, he was an adventurous doctor, but he was a selfish doctor. And Rose, I felt like, was his only means of, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he was, she was the only way that he could actually feel like he mattered to the world. He didn't have to show off so much, maybe. Um, because he had this woman there who just kind of appreciated him, loved him, but... I think he showed off for her. I think yeah. Donald was the one that reminded him that he didn't have to be like that all the time and that humans yeah. were, you know, just so easily discarded either. And you didn't have to be in love with them for them to matter. Because yeah. sure. Donna was great for that. She's my second favorite, for mm. sure. Like, mm-hmm. no question. Um, I really do enjoy Martha as well, but the pining for the doctor makes it hard for me to like her more. Like, I like her more after she left the doctor. Right. Right. And, and, Mar- and Martha didn't want to get her heart broken. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she saw that, she, that, that, that the doctor was never going to fall to feel for her the way she felt for him so i respect martha as far as how she got she was like you know what i can't do this if i stay with you i'm gonna get hurt yep and she those are emotional feelings there and she pulled herself out of a situation that most people would probably not even contemplate leaving you know you're on you're 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 a companion of a a one of a kind one of a kind person you know this time traveler and she saw in the end no future with him no pun intended there um <laughs> intend all the puns <laughs> <laughs> but 
but like Martha, Martha, I think is first off her. Oh God, what's her name? Freema, Freema something. I can't think of her last name. Um, she's a great actress. I thought she was a, she played an amazing companion. Her storylines weren't the greatest, but Doctor Who's writers have a history of doing that to their doctors and their companions. So, you know, that happens. But she also had what I thought was probably one of the best two-parters in all of modern Who history, um, which was when uh, the episodes where uh, they, the doctor becomes a, uh, a, a professor at the, uh, at the university and uh he basically traps himself inside the watch oh yeah when he's when he is john smith when he is Wait, john like smith sorry that's it yep yep that's such a good episode the, yeah. the, the, those two episodes are amongst some of the best in modern who they were well written you would actually think that stephen moffat did those episodes because of how they were written uh the 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 enemies in those episodes i uh, can't remember what they're called either but they were they were fantastic you know you got brother of mine sister of mine mother of mine father of mine all of them mm-hmm. the family of blood they were amazing um and just martha's the way she controlled herself as the companion to protect him without him knowing what was going on was what a doctor who companion should do Mm-hmm. The, the the companion is the doctor wants to show off with the companions but in the end the companion is there to keep the doctor in order keep the doctor in check and those two episodes prove that martha was what what was without a doubt a more than worthy companion of his but absolutely the absolute problem was is that like laura said she fell for him you know and uh um she got herself out of a situation she knew she was never going to give it. She was never going to come out ahead of. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, she had other great episodes too, but uh, I don't want to dwell on it too much. But yeah, I yeah. would say so. When it comes to Martha, I will admit to uh, Pat in the past, like being very unfair and in talking about Doctor Who with friends like you guys and Jamie and you know other people, a lot of points were brought up about Martha that kind of swayed me where I didn't hate her as much. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the pining is hard to take. But during this last rewatch, I almost, it, I blamed her less, I in quotes, blamed her less for it and put more of that on the doctor because I felt like he, he, he did that shit intentionally to string her along to keep that companion because he also knows he needs someone to keep him in check but because 10 is so much more vain and selfish kind of kept stringing her along to help boost his own ego Mm -hmm. and make her feel fall for him and and feel all those things so yeah right but but the fact that yes she was already working to be a physician herself so she was clearly intelligent and capable and hardworking, caring. Um, mm-hmm. And then even though she had that one flaw and really as humans, who doesn't, d- doesn't have a flaw, you know? Right. So her kryptonite was, was the doctor, but she knew well enough when to walk away and also to not just save herself from going through that heartbreak, but also I think to, salvage like a relationship between her and the doctor so she didn't grow resentful of him 
mm-hmm. to continue traveling and with that pipe dream of maybe someday. So she had, she had the know all the where, you know, to, to walk away when she did and right. still maintain a good kind of working relationship with the doctor. Yeah. Right. How do you feel about her ending up with Mickey? I felt like it was a cop out. Yeah. I mean, I um, liked it, but it felt easy. That yeah. was the thing. It when it during the during the doctor's final episode, when you saw her and Mickey, you know, fighting the Seltar the Santaran, and you know, he, Mickey makes a comment, it's like, this is no place for a married woman, and she's like, Well, you shouldn't have married me. Uh, I don't know exactly how I felt about it. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't not happy with it, if that makes sense. Um, I mean it's like, okay, cool, they found each other, you know, now they're now they're a couple, but a couple things that just bothered me about it, I guess, is one, like, like you said, it, should, it was, it seemed like a cop out. It, let's take the two, you know, let, let's take the two black characters on the show and just mm-hmm. make them a couple. It seemed too easy, yep. you know, and I hope that doesn't come across in a, a negative matter because I'm not trying to make it sound that way, but it just, it just seemed too easy for them to do that. And it's like, why would they, why would either of them need to find a partner, a husband or a wife to be happy with their roles with unit? You know what I mean? It's like the whole, like, everyone needs to end up happily ever after with, with someone or something, but I. eh. Plus also, how did they find each other? Like that's where they could build a relationship. Because if you think about it, in that last episode where all the old, all the companions came together to realign the planets, which by the way, that whole episode is ridiculous anyways, okay? Mm -hmm. They're hauling the fucking planet Earth behind the TARDIS. It's spinning all sorts of directions. Nowhere is flooded. And somehow they managed to set up fireworks all over the world (laughs) to go off once the planet is aligned. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) why we talking about me. But after that was all said and done, Mickey, uh, Rose, Rose's father, Rose's mother. Um, I think no, that was Mickey, it. No, they, Mickey didn't go back to the other dimension with the Tylers. Are you sure? Yes. He stayed behind because he wasn't going to go back to the other dimension where he took Ricky's place because yeah. their their grandmother had passed away. So there was nothing left for him there. So in that oh. scene where they're leaving, it's Captain Jack and I think Martha are walking away together. And, and Mickey runs, runs up, yep, catches up. And then Captain oh. Jack has that line of like, I thought we got rid of you or something. Yeah. Then like puts his arm um, around him or whatever. But I must have, I must have forgotten that. I, for some reason, I thought he went back. Because, yeah. all right, all right, fair enough. Okay, well then, yeah, I guess maybe he got a job with Unit or something, you know, and they clicked there. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely okay. possible and they are cute together. But yeah, you're right. It seems too easy at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was my, I mean, yeah, like, like you said, Eric, I didn't hate it, but it just, it was just kind of like, all right, so that's the end of their story. You know, we don't have right. to wonder what happened with Mickey and, and Martha. Right. One other thing I want to say about Martha before we move on to another companion is one thing I like about Doctor Who in general is you don't really commit, this isn't really uh, so much about the companion itself. It's about the story that's told during that companion's run. The companion didn't really have much to do with, with you know, what really happened too much in the story. 
But one of the biggest things that happened in Martha's run, which was also one of the biggest reveals in probably modern Who history, is when we found out that Jack Harkness was the face of Bo. And that happened during her run. And -hmm. that's an amazing thing for her story arc, for her storyline to be a part of that. I don't know if I want to call it history, but it's, it's definitely something that all Doctor Who fans will remember. Because yeah, we've all we met the face of Bo back during uh, uh, Christopher Eccleston's uh, yeah. uh, time as the Doctor, while Rose was the companion. But yeah. we didn't know shit about the face of Bo. Well, the thing about that is, I think it's still not officially confirmed as fact. I think it's just highly implied. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. We all refuse to believe otherwise. I I think that that's the intent, though. Like just like everyone else does. in that respect it was a really like whoa no way really kind of moment but also it hasn't been officially proven right but i I think i think there's enough there though for the fans to be like nope that's it (laughs) right that's exactly what happened (laughs) right right i mean as we get older you know things that i mean certain features of our uh, of our of our of our of our faces and our bodies start to get bigger our noses grow our ears grow so for a man who's lived, how old is the face about? Millions of years old? You know, so, I don't you know, know. it's yeah. not surprising that maybe it's gotten to the point where he's just become this giant head with weird dread looking things coming out the side. I don't know. Well, and then there's the theory about how Captain Jack became the face of Bo and lost his head involving yeah. the headless monks. Oh yeah, um, sure, sure. Uh, I didn't read that one. I read a different theory before we started recording for the next episode. But yeah, I loved the, I mean, I love the reveal of like that moment of, you know, Captain Jack's like, oh, you know, they used to call me the face, that the face of Bo. And the just, face of Bo they called me. Yep. Yeah. And so it was just kind of, I thought it was just kind of a nice fun moment for the fans to have a <gasps> moment yeah. with the doctor. And, and just seeing the, the doctor's reaction going, no. No, you know it's it's just one of those things. It's a it's one of those happy Doctor Who moments. And I like the fact yeah. that there's still things that the Doctor doesn't know. You yeah. know, yeah. he might be well he may be well traveled, but he's not. He, he doesn't know everything. You know, he, mm-hmm. he 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 gets just as shocked to find out things as his companions do. You know, so mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's great. Um, I want to ask you two a question. Okay. Actually, I'm going to ask you to do a favor because I'll do it too. Okay. I want you to say either one nice thing or at least one nice moment with Rose. All right. I'll go first. (laughs) I liked Billy Piper's portrayal of the weapon personifying Rose. That was great. If Rose was like that, I would have loved her. But you're talking about the you're, you're talking about the uh 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 oh what are they called the moment the, the moment yeah 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 okay one yeah. big red button sure I love that okay okay Jen ditto <laughs> <laughs> okay all right um I yes I, I I mean I do agree with Laura that I I enjoyed yes Billy Piper's portrayal of the moments version of Rose. Yeah, if I could another thing, I, I would- liked... Oh, go ahead. 
she she is responsible for Jack's immortality. So yes. that is cool. Yes. Um, and I don't know. I kind of like her mom. I like Jackie Tyler. Oh, Jackie. Oh. <laughs> Jackie. And I love, and let's just take a moment. So in that um, kind of big finale, when he's got, when 10 has all, like they're all there, you know, Captain mm-hmm. Jack and, and everyone mm-hmm. there. And he gives everyone a job. And then he <laughs> turn, gets to Jack and he's just I like, no, no. And she <laughs> no, kind of Jackie nods like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's funny. My favorite Rose moment is going to be different than what you two said. Of course, I do agree with you. I think if Rose was more like the actual the bad wolf mm-hmm. as portrayed in uh, the Day of the Doctor, it would that would have made her a much more compelling companion. But my favorite moment with Rose more comes from a singular episode i think it was called the doctor and the doctor in the fireplace or oh, the, girl in the, fireplace. the girl in the fireplace sorry i'm terrible sorry everybody i'm terrible with episode names mm-hmm. uh, but the girl in the fireplace was a really good rose episode i thought genuinely you surprised by this oh well i mean i think <laughs> she i mean i feel like she what she did in that episode it wasn't so much anything that she did for the doctor it's more along the lines of what she did for Mickey to help Mickey understand what the life is like that she's living now. And it's after that episode, we actually see Mickey kind of really accept it um, and kind of understand why Rose chose to go this path. He's definitely still clearly jealous that the doctor has stolen his woman. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know, but. I think it's more along the lines of how she guided Mickey through this episode. And it really helped us get to know Mickey, I feel like, a little more and get to appreciate his character a little more. So if Rose did anything well, it was carry, carrying some side characters. Not so much the Doctor, though. The Doctor had to carry her all the way. But, you know, it's just for Mickey's mom, or uh, pardon me, uh, for Rose's mom, which I have my own opinions of Jackie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's that you can tell yeah (laughs) that episode is is it's interesting that that's what you took away from that because like i thought that was an interesting episode in terms of relationship dynamics between that group all around because i mean we get to see a lot of examples of rose treating mickey poorly Mm -hmm. we get to see a lot of examples of rose being jealous about others relationships to the doctor like when they when they brought back uh what's her name sarah Uh, jane Jane. Jane, she was jealous of her oh my god that whole moment just was really aggravating and but then they you know get over it and they have a laugh and then you know kind of walks in like two ex-girlfriends are sitting there talking shit about him but this time we got to see the shoe being on the other foot the doctor was completely enamored with the girl in the fireplace um yeah. like to the point where he almost entirely forgot about rose mm-hmm. like, this is someone again that he's changed himself for someone that he destroys a star for to say goodbye to someone that he gives like the best possible human version of himself to he completely forgets about her for for this other woman <laughs> And, and, and you know objectively i'm like hell yeah she's way better but, <laughs> but you know i that's where i'm like 
yeah, these two are a perfect match because look what they look what they do to the people in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. can never be my favorite doctor. As much as I like him, he can never yeah. be my favorite doctor because of that. Fair enough. Well, I think that's good points. I think those are really good points, which actually then uh, will lead me to, you mind if I kick off uh, leading into Donna? All right. Be nice. Oh, <laughs> that's my I've got girl. No, I've got almost nothing but nice things to say about Donna. Okay. Donna Donna was a one-of-a-kind companion. There'll never, ever be another companion like Donna Noble. Um, first off, when we first met Donna, it was just in a one-off episode, you Christmas, know. Yep, a Christmas episode. A Christmas episode, you know. Oh yeah, it was great. Um, and just right at the start, right, right from the start, you know, she's like, what? what the hell is this place? Yeah. You know, and it's like, you don't even, they don't swear on Doctor Who, but even hearing them say the word hell, but it's just like, it's like, whoa, they're getting a little, they're getting a little testy. And here comes Catherine's, this woman. Yeah, Catherine Tate's delivery of all of that was just, yeah. it's, a, it's so great. It, <laughs> <laughs> I, and she's first, I hated it and then you know she really grew on me well Anastasia and I were talking about that too we were saying you know when we first watched Donna we were not sold on Donna but keep in mind we're coming off two companions who were all lovey-dovey over the doctor now here's this woman who's just like challenging the doctor at every turn questioning him and not in a you know, it's just like, and like, letting him know you're making bad decisions, you know, and guiding him. And she was, I think it was the doctor who said that, yeah, well, I think it was the doctor who said it, that Donna was, is her best, is his best friend. She was not a love interest. He had absolutely no, this is the, this is the companion that changed, I feel like helped change, start to change David Tennant. Mm-hmm. And it was the and you know make him more open, make him more of a loving doctor. Yes, we still saw those uh, uh, moments of uh, him being selfish throughout the series, especially like in the fires of Pompeii. But because of Donna, the doctor's whole mentality started to change, as far as I think as how he saw human beings. Because yeah, she enjoyed her time with him, mm-hmm. but he didn't need to show off for her and she didn't need him to show off for her either. You know, she just liked, she liked the having a friend to be able to travel with, you know, to confide in. They just so happened to go on adventures together. Um, That fun loving inspiration is probably how they transitioned from David Tennant to uh, Matt Smith and Matt Smith's portrayal. There was that, that funness was carried through. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Honestly, watching my my uh, my re- my rewatch of Donna series not that long ago, there's only one Donna Noble episode I realized I didn't like. Hmm. Every other one I was a I, I absolutely loved. The only episode I didn't like uh, was the one when they met Agatha Christie. Um, oh. I thought. It was- I thought it was a ridiculous episode. I just the thought unicorn it was a- and the wasp. It is a ridiculous episode, but I love that episode. It's fun. Yeah, and going back to what I was saying about Martha's run with uh, learning, uh, you know, basically uh, 
it's not necessarily companion themselves, but things that happened during that companion's time on the, on the show. You know what we got with her, right? We got the introduction of one of the greatest Doctor Who characters of all time, River Song. Yes, so, we did. Yes, we did. I, I mean, love River. <laughs> wait, wait, so wait, much... Laura, Laura, do you love River? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> do you love River? Yes. I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll quit babbling, but I'll just say that we really got a lot out of, the, uh, out of Do Donna's run. I, we I really got a lot. I completely agree, and I don't know if there's really anything else I can add that uh, that you haven't said that I haven't ha haven't already said. But I think she she was the best for the doctor. I think Laura, you make up a good point that that funness is kind of what helps the doctor kind of change and transition, and maybe helps aid in who he becomes when he regenerates into eleven and focusing more on friendships rather than any kind of romantic relationships with the exception of River, but that was kind of more or less thrusted upon him. <laughs> I never even thought about that. He couldn't, That's he couldn't even resist River. So Yep. Yep. Totally married her, he says in uh his last yeah. Yeah. last Christmas. Yeah, They're I, like, I, oh I, they manufactured a psychopath and he's like totally married her. <laughs> <laughs> um you know who else we got with Donna? We got Gramps. Wolf. Gramps. Wilf. Yeah. God. He had an influence on, you know, how the doctor's character progressed as well. Because yeah. that mm -hmm. sense of old man in a young person's body with Matt Smith. And you can't help but wonder if Gramps wasn't a part of that, right? Sure. Like, seriously. Because he's a very adventuresome old man. Yeah. Sure. He was. And after, after the doctor had to wipe donna's memory wolf was the only one that would be willing to like you know because uh sylvia donna's mom was just she kind of had it with him at that point you know yeah. and uh but yeah. so wolf was still his one and only connection to donna after beyond that so they yeah he's such a he's such a sweet little old man yeah uh, he was so donna's memory erasure and even after all of this time, that is still the saddest companion ending to me. That is, I when I watched that again, even this last time, I that's the only companion leaving that I, I still will tear up at because right. it's so unfair and neither it's of them so wants it. Things. It's, what's that? It's so unfair in so many ways. Like you remember Donna when we first met her, right? Mm -hmm. Insecure, codependent, uh, you know, she just, just kept saying i'm just a temp you know and just not going anywhere with her life like and you know if you look at her mom it's kind of hard you know it's not too hard to see why like if yeah. i had a parent like that just just you know constantly putting me down i wouldn't think much of myself either right but what she became over her time mm -hmm. with the doctor like she realized her potential she, she was she was the greatest of them all, really. Mm -hmm. And then that was taken from her. And you yeah. even hear that in uh, Wilf's voice when doctor when the doctor tells him what he had to do. And you just, you hear that heartbreak and you, because you feel it as well that, you know, he says that. He's like, she was better with you, you know? And, yeah. and then her mom's like, dad. And he's like, well, it's true. Because it is. She was, she grew and she became a better, more compassionate, loving, caring, open-minded person 
through her run with the doctor and thought, yeah, more self-esteem, didn't think of her as just a temp, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, had exactly. someone she had someone there to help boost her ego because yeah her mom's constantly putting her down in the episode where was it like turn left or something where yeah. we get that what would have happened had donna not gone and to that work for that one company where she yeah. met her quote fiance yeah and uh god just the way her mom is in the vehicle i'd have pushed her ass out i'd have found the nearest like highway <laughs> And like you gotta go That's woman funny. you need That's to shut funny. your face oh yeah, yeah. Like, exactly i mean donna didn't think anything of herself like she was she was the most defeated companion of the doctor on starting out like mm-hmm. you can't get much lower than that but you know what let's face it as sad as we were about her ending where at least her run with the doctor himself we, I think as fans, were extremely satisfied with how her story actually ended with us. So on David Tennant's final episode, when he's doing his final goodbyes to all of his companions, right before he goes to see Rose at the end, he goes to Donna's wedding. And he's kind of there in the background. And what does he do? He hands Wilf an envelope. And what's in that envelope? A lottery ticket. You know goddamn well that is a winning lottery ticket. So <laughs> although Donna will never remember him, he has taken care of Donna for potentially the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would like to think that she's, you know, used the money wisely, but whatever, we'll never know. <laughs> but he wanted to make sure that his best friend who can never remember him was well taken care of. Yep. And it was an extremely satisfying ending to Donna's run. It yes. really was. And how great was it when she got the envelope before she opened it? She was like, what is this? A bill, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's such Donna. It's such Donna. <laughs> and I just want to point out that the order in which he visits his companions, I think, shows kind of how they rank in importance to, to 10. Because I, I think it's um, Mickey and Martha, mm-hmm. Captain Jack, and he hooks Captain Jack up with Alonzo or Alfonso? Alonzo. Yeah, yeah. Alonzo. Because yes, in an earlier episode, he's like, I always wanted to, I, he's like, when he picks up Alonzi, he's like, oh, oh I'd love to say Alonzi to an Alonzo. And then he does. And he's like, he's really excited about it. And so he hooks up Captain Jack and Alonzo, then Donna, and then Rose. No, 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 no. Before he goes to Donna, he goes to the granddaughter or great granddaughter of That's the woman right. that he, yeah, that he met during Martha's run. That's right. Yep. yep. The woman, the the human that he was as him, his human self had actually, yeah. I think, truly fallen in love with. Right. That was a really right. nice moment too. You're right. I forgot about that. But but Donna's number two. <laughs> right. Um, and you mentioned before about him boosting her ego. And you know what? That was like the only ego boost of Ten's run that was healthy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Completely. Yep. And yeah, but I like with uh, the unicorn and the wasp, the one with Ag- Agatha Christie. One of my favorite moments is when he's trying to figure, you know, they're trying to figure out, he's like pantomiming, he needs like some like salt. She's trying to figure it out and she's getting it all wrong. And th- that's just a wonderful, hilarious and still a little tense exchange because you're just like, oh my God, they're not getting it. And yeah. so he gets the salt and now you know, he's like pantomiming like a shock. 
And so she's like, oh, here you go. Here you go, space boy or whatever, and plants a big old kiss on him. And that's exactly what he needed to expel the demons. <laughs> it's funny. And what's really funny about that is, um, you know, you go back and watch it. You're like, had that been Rose or Martha, you know, it would have been all sexual. For her, it was more of like a snap out of it. <laughs> yep. You know, and, yep. and that's what I love about it, you know. Um, I don't know if we would ever be able to get another companion quite like her. Nope. Um, yeah, nope. We all agreed that the pawns are our favorite companions, and I'm sure we're about to move into them next. But um, Donna was really a one of a kind, not just companion, but character. Yeah. You know, so, and I don't think we'll ever get another Donna Noble again. I and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Yep. Okay. And we're back. We had to take a short little break, but we will just continue on. And we are to our favorites the pawns and river. So who would like to go? I mean, do we really need to go too much more into the ponds or? I feel like I right at the beginning, we, I, I feel like at the beginning, yeah. we expressed truly how we feel about the ponds. But I think us going over what exactly it was we enjoyed about the ponds would be fun. Okay. Because they had some of the best adventures. Uh, even the, My kid to, took my phone. Sorry. What was that? <laughs> I just said my because I've been looking up the episodes and my kid took my oh. phone. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, seriously, I mean, everything from Amy's first episode where, you know, you know, with Prisoner 42 all the way up until, well, you know what, even their last episode, you know, with the Angels in New York. I mean, there was, there were some cheesy pawn moments in a, like every, every companion has their bad episodes but with the pawns they were i felt like they're they're any bad episodes were so few and far in between because they had really good writers yeah um, it started to kind of slack off i felt in their final season when they only got half a season with matt smith but you know um right before their departure um of all of their all the all the episodes that they've had together those are actually my least favorites but there were still a couple gems in there. Amy, I mean, what, what can you say about Karen Gillan that, you know, isn't being said today? I mean, people who, who know her today, I really hope would have know where she really got her foot in the door. And because Doctor Who was just such a takeoff for her career. And she made, she made those seasons hers. She, she rocked them, dude. She seriously rocked them. She was a great companion. She was fun to watch. She was loving. She was caring. She was sassy. snarky. She was sassy. She was assertive. That's very true too. She was very. She she was relatable. Um, I I really really enjoy watching her episodes even to this day. And there's really too many for me to list that I could say that I love that I, that are my favorites. But there's just what I love about Amy the most. Yeah, I can never get enough of watching them. Really, her 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 conviction like she was treated like a crazy person her entire life because of her initial encounter with the doctor as a little girl and by the way didn't she handle that amazingly as a little yeah. girl like would would you have been able to be so i i don't know present and not freaking out in this in this moment like some weird ass man just crashed in my backyard and he wants weird combinations of food and and you know and i don't know what to do about this no but 
she was yeah, just like, right. whatever. <laughs> like, I love that. But, you know, for the rest of her life, she's telling stories about this guy and hoping he's coming back, right? And everyone just thinks she's crazy. And if you look at how she grew up, it, you know, it's not hard for people to think that, you know, she's going to turn out that way because she had a hard childhood, really, if you think about it. But, right. She had a weird crack in her wall that erased things from her life. That's kind of nutty. Yeah. And she stuck to her story no matter what. Mm-hmm. It was literally years. And she she stood by that. Um, and, you know, to Rory's credit, he stood by her the whole time, too. Like, Rory yep. literally loyalty, but but she's the definition of stubbornness. Like, so stubborn and funny funny little thing i just realized uh two red-headed companions both assertive and stubborn as hell <laughs> like yeah, yeah donna amy you know but yeah sure um, yeah i love that about her because you know she made a friendship with the doctor however tenuous it was being eight years old at the time and she stuck by that um mm. who would do that and you know, at the beginning of her run, like literally the beginning of her run, like first ep- one, first one or two episodes, you kind of get the feel she's just going to be another Rose or another Martha who's falling for him. Because let's face it, she tries to fuck the doctor on her bed the day before her wedding. Let's not count that out, okay? That happened. That did happen, but, but I always chalked it up to just that kind of infatuation swept up in the moment. And finally, finally, it's yes. actualized and he is there and he's real. And it's more about connecting to that fantasy and not in a not fantasy in a sexual way, but that childhood dream of the doctor and the raggedy man, her imaginary friend and being right. there and just not maybe knowing how to convey that other than trying to jump his bones. His response to that was immediately go pick up Rory and be like, no, no, we are not doing this again. You got a man, you got a partner, you're going to treat him better than Rose treated Mickey and (laughs) better than Clara's going to treat Danny (laughs) and you're going to be happy. Well, yeah. And you know, plus it was the night before her wedding. Um, she was clearly nervous about that too. So like she was looking for an escape. And Mm -hmm. the last time she was looking for an escape, she was an eight-year-old girl and the doctor told her, I'll be right back. 12 years is not right back. Um, Yeah, that's true. I was not surprised at all that she went to, to that length for that because would you trust would you trust that he was really there? Would you trust that he was really going to stay? Would you trust that, you know, you weren't going to have to wait another 12 years? Like, exactly. You have to fuck it to know it's real. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, I never thought of it like that, actually. Is it too is it too late for me to take back kind of my opinion on it? Because it's fine. Because I mean, those, those, those are good. Those are good. Those are good points that you made that I never really thought of. It still was a terrible decision. And, and you know, and that has its own silly infatuation side of it to it. But again, eight-year-old girl, weird-ass alien doctor, she's going to have him up on a pedestal anyway. So infatuation is reasonable. But, you know, right off the bat, we get to see that she is human and she makes mistakes. And 
and so does the doctor, but this time the doctor is going to handle them better. And I kind of wonder if they threw that in, be like, haha, we got you. You thought this was going to be like Rose all over again, but no, the doctor's better now. It's fine. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they just wanted a, a gotcha moment to the fans. I <laughs> sometimes, you know, dicks. Like I said, Rory is my favorite for all of the reasons of like, he's, I love his, like his, he's funny. He is. He's dry. And he calls, like I said, calls the doctor out on his bullshit. He calls Katie out on her bullshit too. Yeah. And he's just, he's a really good balance for that whole crew of the ponds and, and even river too. I love his attitude too. Like, like in moments where like, uh, when the doctor's like, you know, or he, or she says, I got me, got my boys. And he's like, looks at the doctor. He's like, we are not his boys. And he's like, yes, we are. And he's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that Rory does stuff like that. That quick, that quick little, yeah, I agree. Even though I just totally disagreed. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's a fun guy. Rory is the type of guy you'd like to have a drink with. Oh, you know? absolutely. Oh, he'd be uh, fun to go out to. Oh, I'd love to party with the ponds. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, he, he's an overall good guy. And, you know, based on what you said before, you know, we were talking, uh, briefly talking about them. Yeah, there's those moments where, you know, he does feel a little threatened. Where I, I thought that he wasn't, but you pointed out some, uh, some, uh, some good moments where actually that does come into play. But he is that well balanced between he is the balance on the show ultimately mm-hmm. you know and rory has his own adventures too rory has just as much adventure as amy does amy may be the main companion but without rory's story amy's story wouldn't be half as interesting let's face it i agree uh, so they just had some really good writers they, yeah. they had some really good writers during their run and like I said before, I think they just, uh, they kind of started to trickle off a little bit towards the end there, but it wasn't all bad. Dinosaurs on the spaceship. I love that episode. I love it. It's amazing. It's a friendly episode. It's it is, great. isn't it? But like, then there's the, uh, um, oh crap, I can't remember the one. The one where they're in the Wild West. Oh yeah, Town Called Mercy. That's it. Um, boo. I did not like it. I, to this, I still, I'll sit through it, but I won't enjoy it because it's a boring episode. I feel like I I just feel like nothing happens the entire time. But then right after that, we get the angels in Manhattan or angels take Manhattan and holy crap. I mean, aside from the uh, Statue of Liberty, which I thought was just cheesy as being an angel. I thought that (laughs) that. was super cheesy. But other than that, it's a good episode, and it's mm-hmm. a good way to send off. It was a good way to send off the pawns. Um, but you gotta you know that cheesiness is is a ongoing characteristic of Matt Smith's run. That's true. That's true too. You know, but you know, with Rory, you know, with Rory and Amy in the pawns, you know, comes River Song. You know, yeah, we met River first when we were when during Donna Noble's. Uh, time as the doctor's companion but we got to know river really get to understand her character and her history with the doctor more in depth during the ponds run and it that spanned it through almost through all the season which is great even in 
when Clara first came in. We still got River towards the end of that season. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just said that, that we got a lot with, the, with, with Amy and Rory. I kind of wish the showrunners would have kept something like that going when Clara got brought in. But it kind of felt like it, it was like they took three steps forward with the pawns, but then took a step back with Clara. Like, they, I think with Clara, they tried to play it a little too safe in certain areas. Well, Clara was a, such a roller coaster for me. Yeah. Yeah. The way yeah. she came in was magnificent. Oh my God, I love to play girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know that's technically Oswin, but we get an explanation for that later. But, you know, then we see her again. And she's this badass nanny. I fucking love that too. And then, sure. then she becomes a proper companion, and you have these high hopes, and just sinks right down. And yeah. you know, I struggled with with her run because because it drops like that. But then, and it really did start off strong, didn't it? It actually did. It did. But then, you know, I think she redeems herself with Capaldi a bit, like. For me, she becomes worth worth sticking around for again. Um, but yeah, uh, you're right. I, I just I don't think they knew what they wanted to do with Clara. No. So my take on Clara, because I, um, as I've said, I, I just finished the Capaldi seasons with her, so I'll, I've got probably the most to say about Clara, more than I've ever I think had to say about Clara. And so, the way I look at her run, because she she's had the most time i think with the most doctors she got 10 she she got the war doctor she got 10 a little you know with the 50th anniversary oh, so, she sure. got, so yeah she she in a sense gets the war doctor she gets 10 11 and 12. aside from the okay. impossible girl storyline so within that storyline she essentially gets all of the doctors he does so what I like, okay, so with Clara, her initial Impossible Girl storyline, loved it. The You can tell that the 11th Doctor is just intrigued. He's curious. He, She's a puzzle, and he doesn't like puzzles, and he needs to figure her out. You know, he meets her as Oswin in the Asylum of the Daleks. And then, yep, she's that Victorian barmaid slash nanny in the one Christmas episode with the weird snowmen. Yeah. And then meets her in present day. And she's still a badass nanny, still trying to make a souffle. And he just doesn't understand how he keeps meeting the same person. And so his infatuation with her, I think, translates to the fans of like, what the fuck? Who is she? How is she important? Yeah. But what I liked about her is as much as he was like intrigued by her, she at least never let it show that it ever went to her head or anything and she would just kind of push back a little bit Mm -hmm. um i've timmy and i have discussed it where 10 is the sexy doctor 11 is the flirty doctor so she does there's a little back and forth but i never i never picked up on anything kind of like sexual in any way or romantic but it was just a fun little game they kind of had back and forth their their banter in that sense actually well don't yeah, you bring that up. You remember the episode where she has him pretend to be her boyfriend? Mm-hmm. That was that was really funny. Like I yes. loved that. Yes. You're talking about the Christmas episode, right? Matt Smith's last episode. Yes. So that same episode when they're on Trenzalore and they're in the Truth Field and they're talking to that couple that they run across, 
she even says that she that she fancies him. So that may have not been totally out there throughout her tenure, but it's at that moment we realize she actually has a thing for the doctor. So there was a bit of a, uh, there was a sexual attraction there from, from Clara over to, over to the doctor. It's just that the, 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 the showrunners didn't really portray that as like, like how they did with Rose, mm -hmm. you know? You know, it, it wasn't necessary to show that. And I was very disappointed in that line as well. Cause I'm like, there's never been any hint of any kind of attraction. And maybe, maybe in British terms, fancy can mean like, I just, I like this person. Does it have to mean a crush or sexual attraction or anything like that? Or right. they just, she just really likes this guy. She's just really drawn to him. But I mean, I still took it as more of like a, a sexual romantic kind of thing. And so right. I didn't like that they threw that line in there because it's never been portrayed in any way in in my eyes i never picked up on it if it was but i just always thought that the the attraction between the two is just always just mere fascination with each other well it's a subjective term like it can mean sexual attraction or like you know lust or whatever but at its most base level it means that she finds him attractive um, and she doesn't necessarily need to be saying that in a sexual way. Like okay. the doctor, the doctor is an attractive person in terms of his personality. You know, he draws people to him and like, look what he's able to do in the Trenzalore episode. You know, he gets a whole nother set of regeneration. So it seems from, from the time Lords because they, they need, his help like that's breaking rules right he can get yeah, yeah. He is, he's a charismatic person so you know she's attracted to that he's attracted to her because she's like the universe's biggest mystery you know and, and all that yeah. so there's mutual attraction there but i i never got the like there was flirtatious banter but witty banter between friends um even with a non-sexual attraction is like not uncommon so right right i, never, I mean you... i didn't take that i didn't take that comment um to mean more than that okay okay and you're probably right you know you 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 you're you're, you're probably right about that i mean she's throughout her entire run with matt smith we don't really see any true signs of pure sexual attraction like there was with rose and even at times that there were with martha you know we don't we don't really get that from her she we never gives him like googly love eyes you no, know i think she's attracted to his mind though yes you know I mean? sure like, sure he's fascinating to her as she is to him mm -hmm. and clara what i really liked about clara is at least i personally felt like she was a very she was always very concerned about the doctor, you know? She was never, I mean, yeah, of course, like all the companions, they have a great time going on adventures with him, but she was always wanting to make sure that he was, that he was doing okay, that he was taken care of, you know? Mm -hmm. And we saw that especially towards the end of Matt, Matt Smith's run when she comes back um, on the TARDIS uh, after he sends them away. In the day, was it the day of the doctor? The episode right before the 50th anniversary special we learned that that's basically been her her destiny 
to save she's the doctor. She's the girl who saves the doctor. And we see that brilliant introduction to that episode with her interacting with all the different, uh, all the different doctors throughout time. And it's amazing. That introduction alone blew me away and was like, okay, this girl's freaking fantastic. Right. Um, and it was a brilliant episode too. Right. So it's more about her making sure that the doctor stays on his path, you know, and with each, dare I say, regeneration that she has, you know, um, she always finds herself back in this same spot mm -hmm. with the doctor. And uh, it's, um, she may not have any past memories of it, but her mission has never changed. Right. And that's still carried on towards her run with, uh, towards the end of her run with Capaldi. She's very, she becomes, when she realizes that her time is up and she has to literally face the Raven, yeah. she tells him, don't, no revenge, you know, don't go out and do something silly and stupid uh, or dangerous, self-destructive. Don't travel yeah. alone because that's no good for him. You know, just to move on. She has accepted her fate and she needs the doctor to accept it as well because she knows what will happen to him if uh, if he doesn't. Right. And we do and we do kind of see that in the next few episodes where he's trapped in the confession dial, which is one of the best, maybe the best Capaldi episode. Oh, I hands down agree with you there. That is such a good fucking episode. I have to rewatch it. I, I, I'm back into my Capaldi run, but I haven't gotten that far yet. But And then even the episode, uh, the follow-up after that, after he gets out and kind of picks up after the whole Ashilda and the Raven and everything and his going to, to Gallifrey and, and confronting the Time Lords and pulling Clara out of that, you know, in between heartbeats. So she's that yeah. frozen in time, but it's already been billions of years. And he right. spent billions of years just gnawing on that but right with but with clara kind of back to 11 one of the things i always liked about their kind of relationship was that she always managed to kind of say things that like befuddled him or mm -hmm. just kind of left him scrambling for words you know just a little thrown off you know thrown off the the doctor's gate or whatever yeah and and i like that and that is something Someone that pushes back on the doctor is always good and is always needed. And so that I thought was, was good. <laughs> I'm running out of words. Um, but Clara's run with 12, and I have it broken down per season because her, her run with Capaldi, her first season with him, I kept going back and forth with her because it seemed like she was still trying to cope and come to terms with the new face. You know, it's like she was still doing... 11 a favor by sticking around for season eight with him with with capaldi because she kind of runs hot and cold with him one minute she's just like oh yes it's a doctor and we we go on adventures and it's a lot of fun and then she gets so mad at him like with the episode with the moon being an egg and everything and she's like this is you're my friend and you put me in a scary dangerous position girl that is nothing new I just right. don't think she liked it because it came from a different face. And to be fair, I don't think 12 in that first season with her was always honest and upfront. Yeah. And I think she was more used to that with, with Smith. And so she, 
she goes back and forth and then she gets mad at, at Capaldi's, you know, at, at 12 for, for lying or tricking her. But then she turns around and she lies to Danny about mm-hmm. not traveling with the doctor anymore. Yeah. But then yeah. at the end of that season and Danny dies, her behavior in season nine with Capaldi is she's reckless and she's more about just living that time traveling life having fun with Jane Austen and making out with Jane Austen and all these things. I forgot about and it's that. even, and it's even brought up that in, in that season where someone makes a comment of like, she seemed when she's hanging out of the TARDIS while it's flying, uh, Riggsy makes a comment about, she seemed to enjoy that too much. And Capaldi's like, it's an ongoing issue. And this is at least like the fourth time it gets brought up in that season. That's, po- that's all post Danny Pink, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so you got so she's still she's in my eyes she's traumatized she's the death of danny pink fucked her up i think it's the guilt of not only you know in the in the sadness of losing danny but the guilt of how she treated him through all of that and and just not giving a fuck and not wanting to be tied down and kind of like that's her her breakup mode is didn't she threaten to like destroy the tardis or something like that if the doctor wouldn't save danny Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I, I remember that. And again, like I didn't, I understand she was emotional and full of grief and probably a lot of guilt again for how she, how poorly she treated it. And she even tells him, you know, when he's in all cybermanned up, she's like, I know I was bad at it, but I really did love you. And, but she could never bring herself to be completely honest with Danny about the doctor and completely honest about Danny to the doctor. Did I say that was right? Uh, I think but I think you know so. what I mean. She wasn't she wasn't honest with either of them about the other's existence and the role that they had in her life. Yeah. So and I think part of that is she's trying to figure that out too. Yeah. But she does become very doc like she's very smart, she's very capable. She does ask the doctor several times, you know, well, what do we do? And the doctor, both eleven and twelve, kind of push back to make her think. And she comes up with a viable solution, you know, a very doctory worthy solution. And so she's, she catches on quick and mm-hmm. she almost starts to become the doctor in, in a way where maybe in that ninth season post Danny Pink, she's kind of looking for herself. She's no longer the impossible girl. Right. She's not mm-hmm. Danny Pink's girlfriend. She seems to not give a shit about teaching anymore. Yeah. You know, who is she now? She's, she's doctory. Yeah, that's my take on Clara. So often, <laughs> so often with the companions, I feel like we're watching them find themselves. But with Clara, I feel like we we watched her lose herself. Yes. And yes. I, sure. I think I think that made her stand out to me as a, an excellent companion. And I like her overall story arc with Eleven being the impossible girl, you know, and the the adjusting to the new face. Um, you know, I think that was kind of like a, a slap <laughs> to Rose's face, to be honest with you, because she went from young, friendly, approachable looking doctor to old, grumpy, angry at the world doctor. So not only did she have to deal with a change of face, she had to deal with a very big change in personality. Because one of the things that Matt Smith's 11 kind of promised before he regenerated that he wouldn't forget but he forgot so well she didn't have have 
you know, she didn't have much trust to start out with, right? So they built this right. foundation of lying and then she became, she became part of that. So I didn't go back and forth on her during Capaldi's run. I thought that those, those things interweaved really well together. But I went back and forth on her during Matt Smith's run because she started out so strong. It was a brilliant story arc and it ended so strong, but there was so much filler in the middle. And during that filler, it's like she had moments of not being capable, not being quick-witted, not being Clara. I'm like, what are they doing with this character? Look what she was before, mm -hmm. you know? So that's- I think a strong, I think a very strong thing uh, to, to prove your point there with what you said, Laura, is look at the episode journey to the center of the tardis it's it one it is a filler episode it's a big filler and most of the episode all we're doing is we're seeing clara just kind of run away not really being a strong companion mm -hmm. you know but there are other episodes where she you know she puts her, she puts her foot down you know and she steps up to be you know this strong-willed uh, strong-willed person who will you know fight for herself fight for the doctor you know like in the rings of Akatan, uh rings of akatan i think it's pronounced which is i think her i can't remember that's her first or second episode with matt smith you know where second. Second. second okay thank you you know it's her first i think as a as an official companion because yeah. her first episode with matt had to do with like the internet and people being uploaded yeah and not knowing the wi-fi wi episode the wi right yeah but you know him taking her, you know, the, to the rings of uh, Akatan, or I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the planet right. I always want to say Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's what was kind of in my head too. It's kind of it's funny. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever said it right. <laughs> there's that moment, you know, after when the uh, 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 alien demon thing, the godlike thing that 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 the that the people of the planet sing to to keep it sleeping, starts to wake up. She realizes something's wrong, and then. You know, she steps up. She gives up. You know, uh, her. You know, one of her worldly possessions to get that little hover bike, so she can go over to the planet to help Matt Smith or the Moon or whatever they were on. You know, and to help the little girl. You know, she is, and, and she's even trying to help protect this. Uh, you know, uh, help help the help the Queen. Uh, while she's trying to run away from her responsibilities of being the next one to sing to this god and keep him uh, keep him at bay, she's a very she's very strong in that episode. I think you get the impression from that that she's going to be a really tough companion. But then you're right; she just has these moments where she falls off. Yeah, completely. You know, and she does a complete 180. Yep. Of what we understand, what what we were thinking that she was going, how we we were thinking she was going to be. Yeah. But this doesn't make her a bad companion. It's just that, again, what it boils down to is writing, of course. But since we have to take it for what it was, Clara was just a roller coaster That's of a person idea, throughout yeah. her entire run. She, I feel like she was stronger under Matt Smith than she was under Capaldi because Danny Pink came in the picture, and Danny Pink, there was the you know this subplot was created with him. You know, now we have this new young love interest of the uh, uh, of Clara's. I don't know really if I got the impression that the doctor was jealous of Danny, but I, you know, the doctor didn't right away really approve of Danny being there. 
See, and that to me, that just all boiled down to Danny having been in the military and the doctor being so anti-military. Right. Right. When he thought when when 12 was like the janitor at her school for one of the episodes, and there's a shot where she's standing next to someone that looks very Matt Smithy. And the doctor assumes that that's her boyfriend because he hasn't met Danny. He assumes that's Danny. Mm-hmm. And instantly he approves, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, oh yeah, chin the hair, bow ties. Like, oh, he's like, you guys go have kind of fatherly, like you kids go have a fun night, you know? And they're just yeah. talking about some like literally work stuff. And then it's found because he, he, 12 does meet Danny outside of uh, Clara and comes up that Danny was in the military. And right away, the doctor's just like, ugh, military. And just then starts calling him PE, which <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> and he's a, a maths teacher because over there it's plural. Okay, okay, it's, it's more it, than it's, one equation for mathematics. So they go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a decade. It rubbed up a little. <laughs> Fair enough. But I always wondered if he was concerned too because he didn't want another Amy and Rory situation. Could be. Not because he didn't enjoy his time with them on the TARDIS, but, you know, that was heartbreaking for Eleven when Amy made the choice she made and he lost her forever. And that was one of his, and that was his biggest fear. That's what he saw in that uh, hotel room of, in the Hotel of Fears, you know, everyone opened a door and it's their most deepest fears he realized. Crack, right. He saw the crack on the wall. Yeah. Crack on the wall, yep. And then I, I believe it's, during like the, you know, Trenzalore. And I think at, at one point, I think he does say that his biggest fear was losing Amy and Rory and that that happened. Mm-hmm. He, he lived out his, his greatest fear. So that could, that makes sense that he doesn't want to be too attached to too many people to lose too many people. Again, doctors always losing people. Well, yeah. I, I just he didn't want to lose a companion to a, a love interest again because that's what happened too like like eric said amy was the primary companion you know when rory got taken by the angel first he had hoped that she would still stay with him but she didn't Mm -hmm. yeah i tried to get her back into the tardis so they could at least try and figure it out but Mm -hmm. right and you know he had it was even explained that they couldn't do it i mean had the showrunners decided to go that path it would have broken up the, well, I mean, as they put it, it would have created a time rift. Right. Um, you know, they probably would have never been able to come back again. Uh, they got lucky that it happened at one time. Even though all the fans are pointing out, like, why can't he just, like, take the TARDIS to Jersey and then a cab into New York? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I never thought of that. The desperation of the doctor in that scene. And you got to remember, too, like, this was heartbreaking for River as well. These were her parents. Mm-hmm. That's true. But That's true. The doctor's emotions completely overwhelmed River's. Like, she sacrificed yeah. her own pain and grief because his was that great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that, like, some of that played into how he treated the whole Danny situation. Um, yeah. Because, like, when he first thought that the boyfriend was the Matt Smithy-looking guy, you know, it was kind of funny, right? 
but also it's like well he's like me there's no threat here sure but you know then he meets danny um the attractive military man and all uh, you know who is he begrudgingly has to admit was useful um <laughs> you know um i think that he felt threatened and it, like, the way he responds by calling him PE and bullying him a bit, that's classic. Like, I'm threatened by this person, so I'm going to belittle them. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, that was that was kind of my interpretation of it. Like, there's a distaste for the military and war because of his own experiences, but I felt there was a more personal note to it, which might explain why they kept all lying to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. right. I know, so we kind of talked about it before we started re- uh, recording, but I think what we'll do is we'll get re-familiarized with Bill's run and Nardal, because I do consider Nardal a companion, and he's adorable, and uh, 13, and her companions, Graham, Yaz, and Ryan, because as we've mentioned, not as familiar with those seasons. I've only watched each probably once, maybe twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be nice to go back and one, just take the time to revisit and think of them a little bit more and, uh, put a bit more thought into, to what I'm seeing too. So, yeah, sure. So I think this will pretty much do it, uh, for this episode of who's who on my streaming bubble, the companions edition. And, you know, we can always come back and do like a one-off companions edition, Madame Pompadour. Uh, Kylie Minogue's character. River uh, that, Song. River, I don't really consider River Song a one-off because she, and while she's not a full-time traveling companion, she's she pops up enough during Eleven's run. Plus she does pop up with 12 in The and Husbands 10. of River Song. And, and 10. There's, there's still rumor that she might have a cameo in Jodie Whittaker's run somewhere. So. And I love that. And if they bring her back, I'll love it and I'll eat it up. Hopefully it's well done. And cause it feels like every time they bring river back as much as I love seeing her, it kind of sucks. Cause it's like, you have to say goodbye to her all over again. So you get kind of another sad yeah, moment, right. you know, uh, like, yeah, I've never like, thought about it like that until just now. Thanks Jen. Well, I just watched the husbands of river song and I'm like, well, I gotta say goodbye to her all over again. But at least this was like a nice sweet moment. And they had their night on Derillium. That was 24 years. Oh my God. You get the feels. <laughs> it was gorgeous. Yeah. Beautiful and sad. But yeah, uh, so I guess that'll do it for the companion edition. And we'll be back to do villains. Until then, Woo! stay safe, keep streaming. Bye. Bye. Bye.